welcome to Bold Thinking, entrepreneurial stories honestly told. In a world full of chaos, this is a podcast about the people making positive change in the world, using bold thinking to transform business and themselves. My guest today describes herself as having social butterfly energy and having spent a bit of time getting to know her, I couldn't agree more. She's absolutely infectious. Raised in Trinidad, Nikia Ravayak has spent the majority of her career leading on consumer and marketing insights with Colgate Palmolive in North and South America, Africa and Europe. After a stint at Twitter, she joins up today having started a brand new role which I'll let her tell you all about. Super, super exciting. Welcome to Bold Thinking. Julia and team, a pleasure to be here. I am six weeks in or so into this new gig that I have at Netflix, um, where I am directing consumer insights or a team of consumer insights professionals across many aspects of, of their business. Um, but I'm also coming to you today as the proud host of, of a podcast that I started over the summer called Culture Unfit. Um, it's really catered or geared towards celebrating the misfits, the beautiful misfits at work and in life. And I'm very, very much looking forward to this conversation with you today. Yeah, absolutely. Love all that. So where do we start? So Netflix, podcast, honestly, I'm so excited. Um so tell us a little bit about your career and, you know, what got you into consumer research? Well, I love questions like this because it's a chance for me to talk about how little I had, um, uh, how little clarity I had uh, around what I wanted to do. Um, and in fact, I, I still don't know exactly what I want to do. So my journey into the field of consumer insights and, and research is one that is, uh, I think, uh, full of uh, opportunistic plays. That's the best way I could put it, and scrappiness. What I'd say is that at the heart of everything I've done ever since I was a little girl, teenager, young adult, uh, is a desire to want to impact people, affect people in very positive ways. So though I didn't have a very crystal clear view of what I wanted to be, and what I wanted to do, I think the way that I showed up uh, among my friends, uh, uh, at school, in dance classes, uh, college work, I, I think I was always very much this person who wanted to connect to other humans um, and to, to see them in whatever capacity do well and thrive. So when I was in Trinidad and Tobago, which is where I, I grew up, I danced, I, I studied ballet. Um, I also, you know, did my A-levels and without really having the sense as to what I wanted to, to do in life, I knew that I wanted to dance. So when I left Trinidad to go to college, though I danced on the side, I danced in my college uh, dance company, continued to pursue a degree in international business. So there were a couple of sort of themes. One, this love of people wanting to impact people. I was still nurturing by doing dance on the side <laughs> and, you know, from a school perspective, the international side of life was starting to appeal to me. Um, I did not know that I would eventually work for an international company, but I wanted to find a way to, to use Spanish and I wanted to find a way to travel. So I did my study abroad in Madrid um, and then moved to New York where I was finally free to pursue my dreams of being a dancer. And I danced for a little bit in a company. I taught dance with an arts and education um, ensemble. It's called Bronx Arts Ensemble. And 
not again knowing what I wanted to do, eventually made my way into business school because I had hurt my wrist while dancing and didn't have health insurance, which for the listeners is a real thing that happens in the U.S. because not everybody is guaranteed health insurance. Um, But yeah, I mean, the long and short of it is that I spent this wonderful career traversing various parts of the globe at Colgate Palmolive, a multinational company that's been around for ages, 200 years, over 200 years. And they have a collection of brands in personal care and home care. So toothpaste, toothbrushes, soaps, et cetera. And that allowed me to literally dance around the world. Um, And I didn't dance literally, but I think I brought an energy to spaces that I occupied and a curiosity and that desire to want to move people um, that I had when I was dancing and on stage. I think I just, without really knowing and without intention, I think it's who I am used a lot of that creative energy to bring to life stories about people and their experiences, their um, feelings about the mouth and health and hygiene. And you might think that these are mundane categories. We spend like two minutes in the morning, you know, mindlessly brushing mm-hmm. our teeth and not thinking too seriously about what's in the toothpaste or what's in the toothbrush, but what it symbolizes to you and you know how it makes you feel, right? And what it makes you feel when you don't brush your teeth, all of these things I think are interesting mm-hmm. things and doing so across cultures was you know, exceptionally fascinating. Mm-hmm. But then having to try and create a story in a way that would compel people who were so far removed from these realities in suits, in New York, mm-hmm. in Manhattan to like want to care and to do things differently, I think became a little bit of my passion. I was like, great, you think this is boring? Wait and see, let me like create this like cool presentation and bring this data and insights to life in a way that makes everybody say okay let's pay attention and then at some point fast forward 14 years or so I wanted to be disrupted myself Um, I felt like I had moved around the world I'd lived in Mexico I lived in Switzerland Mm -hmm. and even though there needed to be some disruption as digital became the norm 10 years ago there was a lot of resistance to thinking differently about how to market, as an example. And my choice to move into tech wasn't necessarily a choice against um, Colgate or consumer packaged goods. It was a choice for me. It was me sort of choosing myself and wanting to be in a space where I, looking back, you know, years, years ahead from where I am right now, could say proudly, I was courageous. I tried something new. Um, And I think that begun my search and led me to Twitter. Um, And that was a wonderful experience. And I'm, you know, I'm eternally grateful for it because it exposed me to so much. Um, I learned a lot more about myself and and, and how to lead and perhaps even more importantly, how people perceive me. Um, And I walked away from Twitter moving into this Netflix role with an appetite for experimentation Um, but perhaps uh, even more profoundly an understanding of my own goodness and strengths in the world. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the story. And I think I'm still, you know, bringing a lot of that creative energy and curiosity and, you know, it happens to be at Netflix, which is this world of entertainment. So I'm feeling both um, welcomed because I I consider myself like maybe an entertainer at heart, but also as a leader um, who has now had this experience living in different countries and experiencing different cultures and transforming that love of people into this leadership role where I get to 
let others shine, I'm 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 having a great time. Um, but it's early days. <laughs> wow, I mean, it's quite strong stuff. Uh, you cannot control the world around you, but you can only control yourself. You know, I mean, it's something that really resonates um, with myself massively. And how would you describe your role at um, Netflix? You spoke about the digital element. I mean, what what does that actually mean? Does that mean researching customers and what people trends? You know, how do you? What's your day to day thing? What do you? gives that wake wake up in the morning gives you that energy around that role yeah i mean it's it's a a multi-dimensional role in that there are different elements uh, or or parts of the business that require partnership with a team that is adept at applying research techniques to answer fundamental questions about members and and people who create uh, movies Um, and so my role sits at the intersection of product, so the experience with the UI or user interface, as it's known. Um, So this is what you see when you open up Netflix, the app on TV or your laptop or your mobile phone. There's also the content, so the actual assets that make up the UI. So this includes the movies, but it also includes those little cards that allow you to understand really quickly what a movie is about. Um, and so that aspect of the content is experience sort of, you know, there's a team working on those promotional assets. Um, and then there's also the brand Netflix and the reputation that the company has within the entertainment industry across the globe. And I also have a team of people who are what we call social researchers, social insights researchers. So these are people who are adept at social listening. So combing the internet for conversations about a particular title, or it could be a particular theme. And they are specialists in this regard because it requires a really, you know, um, technical set of skills to be able to do that work. And so the conversations that I'm a part of really kind of span everything from, you know, what is the future of entertainment? What should we be thinking about? Not in terms of like movies, but just in terms of the way that people have now turned to various apps to find entertainment like TikTok. So, you know, what's up with that and what can we learn from from them? All the way through to um, questions around like the assets that you see. So, and this is common knowledge, you know, what your Netflix queue looks like and what my Netflix, you know, queue looks like completely different. Um, But even if we're looking at the same series, what box art you might see on your screen is different from what I might see, right? So, you know, there's a lot of behind the scenes that's happening to learn about our behavior. Um, And my team complements that understanding of the behavior. So the data that just sort of like comes in code with an understanding of why. So like, why are you gravitating to certain things? Why am I gravitating to certain things? And and what can we learn from that? And what what innovation might that inspire? Um, So yeah. Again, a team of multidisciplinary researchers from all walks of life, um, all around the world, um, partnering with these teams focused on those those different issues I just mentioned. So does that work both ways where people drive the content as well as the content gets given to the people? Do you see what I mean? So that, you know, if, I, if there's like a million or t- 20 million people really interested in, I don't know, um, 
you know, relationships with teenage daughters or something like that and how they manage them, would that then produce a show around it? Or is it much more you showing them, you know, a collection of things that you want and hoping that they like it? How does that work? I've always wondered that. That's like a random question for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's probably more the latter. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like a lot of these entertainment-based um, services, there's sort of you know, a certain portfolio that's already there. And, you know, over time and through your behavior, your choices, you know, how long you're spending looking at one, whether you start something and then you quickly abandon it, all of these things are inputs into an algorithm um, or machine learning, re really, that then makes different choices for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm not in charge of, of these decisions around the content, but I certainly think what the company's trying to do is to be extremely diverse in offering a variety of um, content so that people can navigate their own entertainment spaces in a unique way. So some people love true crime. Other people, you know, are really into um, historical documentaries. Um, and so I think the idea is provide a lot of wonderful content, allow creators from around the globe to have a chance to bring their own stories to life um, and then it's up to you to discover what what makes you happy yeah. um, but I think yeah the art of discovery requires learning about people so um, how can we make it even easier for you to find the thing that brings you joy because uh, there are thousands of things mm -hmm. that you could find so um, I think the art of discovery is a place where you know the research team can can be even more helpful that's brilliant it's really really good so um i really want to ask you a bit about our podcast so what does bold thinking yes. mean to you oh good yeah i mean i first of all kudos on the name the name is amazing <laughs> um yeah i think that bold thinking when when i hear the term um i'm reminded of like you know my own story and it is courage to think outside of the box and sometimes you don't know that you're in a box and it does require courage and self-awareness um, but if you have the self-awareness to know that perhaps there's something about the way that you exist in the world and I, I have become very aware of my own desire to want things to be better and I think we're all a product of our childhood um, good and bad um, how we were raised and I think while my mom wasn't like an activist, um, I certainly feel like her being a social worker, um, me being somebody who lived in a country of gorgeous women and, you know, brilliant people. Um, I, I never not, I, I never felt like I was the best. Um, and so that affected the way that I saw myself in the world and saw others. And so my self-awareness or my awareness of self, self has made it clear to me that the reason why you know, I'll be the person who if somebody like litters, I'll go up to them and say, oh, excuse me, I could let it go, right? I could totally let it go. But I think I am I'm bold and courageous and wanting to do that because I'm aware that for me, these little things matter. I, I, and, you know, I, I could go deeper and psychoanalyze myself, but um, that has just sort of carried through in the office. So if somebody is being aggressed or um, being treated poorly, part of what I want to do that's sort of bold, that I don't see myself as a bold person, but I think I'm reacting to the question is, I will likely be the person who will say, 
oh, I saw that. Like, are, are you okay? Let's sort of talk through it. But I might also be the person who would encourage the, 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 the person who is hurt to find a way to have that conversation with the person mm-hmm. who may have inadvertently hurt them with their words mm-hmm. or their feedback. Um, and I think that I've become more comfortable with that role as more people have said that's inspiring, right? Like, how, how do you do it? And I think the first time that that happened was when I was in Switzerland still. Um, I oversaw a team that sat in South Africa, um, Johannesburg, South Africa. And there was one Black woman who after the call was like, oh my God, Nikia, like, how did you do it, right? Because I had like a German man on my right, a French man on my left, um, and, you know, a few other people, perhaps all men, all white men. Um, and, you know, again, I think I move through the world as like this sort of curious dancer, even though I'm not anymore mm-hmm. and don't always see what people see in me. So I think I was challenging something in a very, you know, Nikia way, which is sort of with a smile and like a, a, um, an empathy. But for her, looking through this lens, this the telepresent screen in South Africa, it felt like very bold. She was like, oh my goodness, like, can you, how do you even like go about doing that? Um, and that mm-hmm. sort of sharpened my awareness of, of, of self because I think I had this feeling inside of myself, which is just, I'm existing, I'm a hard worker. And what started to happen over the last four years, I'd say, is people would come to me, um, often those in marginalized groups and say, how are you doing it? Um, and so maybe the last thing I'd say is that bull thinking was just being able to sort of own it and, and, and then and say, maybe I can have my own podcast, which mm. speaks squarely to these people who feel one inspired by somebody like me, which took a lot of work for me to even say the word, like, why would anybody be inspired by me? But again, this is self-deprecating the cue, <laughs> but also it's a sort of saying, oh, nobody else is necessarily talking to them specifically. Like you feel othered in life and then you come into a place of work continue to feel othered but have nowhere to go nowhere to place it you know you hold on to the the hurt and it's really hard particularly when you're young to know where to put where to go like who do I trust in the office to just be like am I crazy did that happen so maybe that was like my last act of sort of bold thinking to think that like I have something to say and something to share that others would be happy to hear um and appreciate no i think that's really inspiring um you know i always have this saying in my mind that you know shine as brightly as you can for as long as you can because you only live this life once and you know shining for some people are very different than others you know um like you my parents were in the salvation army so did a lot of good in charitable organizations and and i do think it's in your nature and your dna it's something that almost like bubbles beneath and you just has to explode and come out and you know one of the things i've learned from working with a lot of very confident and amazing women over the years is actually underneath that sometimes there's a, a little bit of disbelief in how amazing they are and actually, you know, it's just sometimes just letting that shine is just an influence and an energy for other people and other women to step forward or in any organisation. So taking that dancing energy into big, you know, into pretty big corporate culture there is mm-hmm. in itself is, you know, is really inspiring and really bold um, and doing it in a way which is humble and lovely and, you know, is is another way, isn't it? It doesn't have to be the, I'm, you know, standing for something. It's more... You know, a beautiful way of expressing something, which is like a form of dance. I love that. 
I do think I have an awareness, but it wasn't super conscious when I was like younger at work that I stood out and I did not necessarily know that I was using it or it, w- it was working to my advantage. Um, I think deep down in my subconscious, I may have been overcompensating for feeling like a misfit by being even more approachable. Like who knows, right? In, in a parallel universe, if I wasn't like a corporate woman, I may still have this personality. I may still have this energy. And in fact, I think I would have mm-hmm. given how people talked about me in college, right? I was like sunshine girl, right? I'm like energy bunny. <clears throat> However, I think that at work, I have recognizing perhaps not acutely at first that I'm a Caribbean woman. I, I dance, I carry myself in a certain way. I have a lilt in my accent, right? Like I, I never, I, I mean, I lost some of my Trinidadian accent, but for the most part, I tried to retain it. Um, perhaps gave me entry into spaces that I, I might not have if I didn't have all of those other things. Figuring out at some point, and this goes back to this, the self-awareness, that these were qualities that were additive in a room where it didn't exist and, and figuring out how to sort of use it um, has been a wonderful journey. So for example, when there's a, con- a contentious discussion and everybody's around the table with an opinion, what I might do is raise my hand with a smile and say, hey, everybody, I'm hearing, you know, it, it, there's clearly a lot of passion at the table. What I'm hearing is, and so I think I, I'm able to leverage my questioning ability, which may come from being somebody who's worked in research, like what I'm hearing is, but also do so with a, a kind of energy that calms everyone, even though I would not describe myself as like the calming force, mm. but I'm able to sort of like cut through and I, I don't know, this is this human nature. It's almost like when you are the difference in a room of sameness, this not necessarily permission to then say something different, but there is likely some kind of energy disruption that could be positive or negative that one must be aware of and then use. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware that in those spaces, when I do unmute myself or when I do raise my hand, when we used to be all in meetings together physically, there's a a thing that happens when, when people look at me and having that awareness recently and I'm always very very clear with everybody like this is a I'm like a what do you call it a late bloomer mm-hmm. <laughs> like my understanding of myself and, and what I'm good at and has come late in life I think other people who've mentored me even my husband he's like oh you know it took you a long time to realize that you know you're not ugly you're not you're whatever right um and I was like yeah like it, it happened for a reason but I now realize that there's a way to use that distinctiveness in these rooms, not just to my advantage, but to the collective advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really fun thing. I shouldn't say that, like, you know, it took me a while to realize I'm not ugly. I think I just, <laughs> you know, again, I grew up in a really, if you go to Trinidad, like a lot of gorgeous women. Um, that's a whole other podcast about how I felt about myself um, as a young child. Talking about bold ideas, you know, what do you think your boldest idea has been so far and how did you make it happen? Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say that my boldest idea, I mean, I've, I've had a, a few leaps that I think were bold. The, the podcast, honestly, even though for some people it's like, oh, it's just a podcast. It was bold for me because I did not realize that I had a voice outside of work. Let me put it that way. Um, so much of my energy has been placed inside of corporate environments, helping the teams that I lead and the individuals who report into me um, grow and become better. And teams that I operate in cross-functionally leadership conversations that I'm in have used all of the skills that I just talked about, my ability to ask questions in a safe way, um, to cultivate a sort of like energy towards the goal. All these things have been placed within my nine to five, so to speak, my job. And so when I wasn't working, right, when I left Twitter earlier this summer, so this was June 2021, I was like, well, you know, what, you know, what is it that I can offer, right? Because so much of my identity had been intermingled with my work and my, my job title. And so simply saying, well, what is it that I enjoy doing? Oh my goodness, so much of my, my joy comes from looking at the young Nikias and not people who are like me, but just people who were coming from another country. So immigrants, for example, who are incredibly talented, but don't have the network built in that you have if you just grow up in a country that you kind of take for granted. You're like, oh, my dad knows this person. Like, when you come from another country to pursue education, you just have to work harder. You need to do a little bit more. Um, and so I asked myself the question, what is it that I do that I love? And figuring out the intersection of those two things, what you do well, your strengths, and where you have passion is major. Because you could have things that you're good at doing that you actually abhor, like you don't like. And then you could have things that you like doing, but you're actually not good at. So finding the intersection of that, I am great at this. These are strengths. And I also enjoy this was like a whole exercise for me. And I'd encourage anybody listening to, mm -hmm. to do that, like ask yourself those questions. And for me, it was clearly mentoring. It was those one-to-one -one conversations where I was able to listen to someone talk about an experience, what challenge they were facing, and then and really ask them questions to get them to the point of revelation, not telling them what to do, but just asking them questions. Because I think it's like therapy. Often the answers are within. We just need to talk it out. Mm -hmm. um, and so figuring out how I could do that but without the support of a company, without the built-in uh, employee base of a corporation, um, and realizing that, wait, I have a voice and there are many people who still write to me. Um, what if I let them give me their stories of feeling like a misfit, getting feedback about something that they're doing that is natural to them? You're too loud, you're too, and you're just like, but that's who I am. Um, felt very brave for me. Um, and, you know, you know that it's right when you put it out there and people are like, this is this is great. Like, you know, this story resonated with me. So it felt like a bold move. And perhaps the boldest move is simply keeping it going, because what has happened with me in my life is work has consumed me and not in a toxic like I'm a workaholic way, but I give so much beyond the actual project work and the work of business 
I will have uh, my calendar filled with one-on-ones with people because I love mentoring and coaching. And so when I started working at Netflix, I sort of made this commitment, a promise to myself, and I had to be brave, courageous, self-aware, bold. And that was that I would maintain these healthy boundaries. I would literally have a laptop that was personal and a laptop that was work-related, and the two would not meet. They will not stare at each other. They will sit on my desk on opposite ends, and I would dedicate time to the mentorship, the podcast, the speaking, um, and I would also give back to work, but I would not let the work consume me, consume me to the point where all of a sudden I had to stop doing the podcast and, and the mentoring. So I think that's been bold and brave of me. I am scared, um, but I've, I've tried to make this a safe journey for me by letting friends and close colleagues in so that they can hold me accountable mm. Um, and that's you know scary to be like I need help I know myself I'm gonna slip but you know what as well I mean I about seven years ago I started being an ambassador for a breast cancer charity and um, you know I just thought you know who sits in these charity meetings and I had all this work millions of fundraising and I've had breast cancer twice it was something that really affected me and I wanted to be part of and I walked into this room one day, a gala board, and they were trying to raise a million pounds to support research and the charity. And there was the CMO of Sky. There was a head of uh, Omnicom. There was like all these amazing people. And I, do you know what? I thought, I feel ashamed of myself. I've never, ever done this. I've been busy running a company, bu- busy building a business. And the seven years I've been involved, which is not my job, it's not part of my job, I don't get paid for doing it, I do it because I love doing it, has made me so much better at my job. I have to say, it has it re- rewarded me more than any anything I could ever imagine. And everything that I do and I've learned from it has gone into my job like a ball of dynamite. So I would say, you know, back to you, they have so complimented each other and I've got better at my job because of it. But I, I think it's almost like they just, they are you. And then actually together, they just fuel you into one powerful you. If not, you just become a bit, I, I thought I was becoming a bit narrow, you know, and this whole world opened up ahead of me with these amazing people I would never have met. And I'm so grateful. So sorry, back at you. I love it. No, no, I love it. I think, I mean, I think that Don't that feel is guilty. A, I think you're doing an amazing thing. Yeah, I, I feel it in my heart. And I know this is the thing about life. When you're going through a thing, mm. and thank you for sharing your story, you don't really know what's on the other side. And, you know, when people are like, look, it'll eventually get there. I, I use this visual. I'm, I'm a very visual person. Oftentimes when we're in it, I feel like I'm in a tunnel in a car that's stuck in traffic but I'm three quarters the way through so I can see the light but it's not a clear road there's like traffic and I can almost see what would have to happen how I'd have to maneuver to just be free of it but I'm stuck and but it's not a stuck feeling because you're like you know you 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 know that there will be movement and so this is a something that I think comes with age and maturity too, just sort of like the knowing Mm. and the sitting with this feeling of sweet discomfort. And it's sweet because uh, like a lot of passages in life that feel bumpy, you're kind of like, okay, like I'm eventually, I'm I'm hoping like things work out and I'm I'm on the other side, but you still have to kind of sit with it. You can't, you can't move through the phase of not knowing. You can't move through this phase 
like I'm at right now where I'm still learning and I want to be able to be more knowledgeable than I am, but it takes time. So I love hearing your story and, and other people's stories because I know that, and I already feel it, things are going to continue to feel good and I'm going to continue to feel empowered through these multiple things that are happening for a reason yeah. and the reason is unfolding yeah. with every breath. And it's almost like that's what I always say this, Steve Jobs, it's only when I look back I could connect the dots. And sometimes you think, and it's back to my next question, um, I really mm -hmm. want to ask of you, what do you think people need from brands today and what's going to help them to thrive in the future? What's your thoughts around, you know, what makes a brand thrive in the future? What do people want from brands today? I think that this is a really fascinating question in this day and age because, you know, 10 years ago, even we didn't have the intensity of competition in spaces like we do now. And so when I think about the relationship that people have with brands and the responsibility the brands have, I think one word kind of jumps out for me, and that is humanity. Brands aren't humans, but I think the expectation that people have is that brands respect the fact that they serve humanity, right? Like they exist not in this vacuum. Yes, you know, when you're sitting inside of the building that is the brand, it's about profits and all of that stuff. But there is a responsibility to recognize that the profits come from actual people, mm. like real human mm. beings. And the more that the, the people who are the upholders of brand recognize that that's where the true value is and seeing your proposition as something that serves humanity. I think a lot of things start to get unlocked and profit follows. But if a brand's responsibility is like simply about making money um, and you lose sight of the people behind it, then there may be some short-lived bumps and gains However, the long-term success of that company, that brand is something that I think is um, more suspect, mm -hmm. uh, again, in this day and age where there's transparency, not necessarily two ways, but I think there's a lot more information that we as people have. And so we're, we're poking holes, right? We're asking questions like, what's your carbon footprint? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what are you doing to give back? Um, and so the responsibility, I think, for brands and, and the opportunity is to recognize the humanity in the business um, and put people over profits mm. as much as they can. Mm. No, I'm totally with you that. And, you know, we had a, a good one from the Design Council recently. It's a whole sort of, you know, planet, people, profit, you know, and how mm -hmm. then we sort of feed back into that, which I just think is so... Um, so I feel like I'm speak, speaking to a kindred soul. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm captivated here. Um, I'm just going to ask you one more thing before, before we end this podcast. I absolutely love talking to you is how optimistic are you about the future? Oof. I'm going to dimensionalize that question into two parts. The first is uh, when I think about future for me and my most, uh, my closest circle. So this is like my family. And then when I go one circle or one layer out to the sort of world at large, the planet. And so I'll start with the latter first. I'm sadly not as optimistic as I'd like to be about the future when it comes to what's going on in the world. I mean, I, I think 
I've, I've been watching Our Planet on Netflix with my kids. And while, you know, it's, it's David Attenborough and then, you know, you, you're, you're captivated, the, the scenes are beautiful. Like there's a lot of death and destruction that feels like we're just hopelessly steamrolling down. Um, and I, I don't want to leave you with that. That's mm. why I'm going with that first. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot that um, we're losing, um, whether that's, you know, from deforestation or whatever that feels scary and out of control right mm-hmm. like it, it, it's it's a terrifying thing um when i think about myself and and my family and maybe even more immediate my immediate community i have much more optimism um and that comes from a place of my own energy to leave it better than i found it what i am trying to do as a mother of two young kids to instill in them a personal responsibility to treat people with respect. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm big on social, emotional development in, in, in early childhood because I see that at the end of the day, while we may not be able to control no matter how much we try and, and you know, we're going to all do our part to try and help this, this, this planet, but we may not be able to control it as much as we would like for the next two generations. What they can control is this little orbit that they have and whether it's their classmates or their community knowing that their responsibility is to bring joy, right? To not be someone that is not nice to play with. It starts with that tiny little nugget. Like, are you somebody who other kids want to play with? Are you the person who, when you see somebody sitting in the playground by herself, by himself, by their self, feels compelled to go say, hey, is everything okay? And so if I could do one good thing um, to create a sense of optimism for myself and my family, it is instilling this love of people, this desire to want to, you know, don't just, don't assume that like that person is like fine. Go ahead and say like, you know, are you okay? Are you cold? Like what's going on? Um, It has a butterfly effect. Mm. And uh, I am very much optimistic that my goodness, the goodness that I'm trying to instill my kids, my community is having a butterfly effect and maybe even counteracting what I just talked about Mm. around the planet. Mm. Um, but I am, I am hopeful, I am excited, and I am continually inspired by my own ability to attract this goodness that I want to put out in the world, mm-hmm. that I want to see in the world. So the more that we do this, to your point, Julia, the more that it's going to come back to us. Mm-hmm. And that leaves me really optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. love. I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. Um, what's the name of your podcast? I'm going to do a shout out for that as well. So my podcast is Culture Unfit. So at Culture Unfit, Instagram, but really anywhere you can listen to podcasts. But also, you know, I'd be happy to talk to anybody um, who would be interested in, you know, learning more about my story. And you can find me at Nickastar, N-I-K-K-A-S-T-A-R, anywhere that you can find social media except for TikTok. Well, thank you for joining us today. I literally could talk to you for the next five hours and... uh... (laughs) Um, thank you to everyone for listening to Bold Thinking Entrepreneurial Stories Honestly Told if this episode got you thinking contact us on LinkedIn Twitter or Instagram so join us next time to hear from anyone who's anybody else who's making a positive change in the world absolutely brilliant love talking to you thank you really good thank you so much thank you thank you